Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's definitely going to be different not having those matchups that you would expect every year. Because the NHL drafts like 17-year-olds. The NHL has to tread the water really carefully. They don't even have a goalie. Like, what is what is the draw? But going into this year because of the Seattle Kraken's expansion draft. But Where is this going? So, no, so listen, hear me out. It's going somewhere. It's, it's just not part of hockey. Like, really looks like that weird dad I don't want me to pick up from school. Like, Welcome to Slapshot Sweethearts. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Slapshot Sweethearts. It's been forever since we put out just like a regular episode, but we're so excited to be back. Our lovely guest today saw Yusuf from the Dallas Stars reporting side of the business. Uh, so excited to have you with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, Lots to talk about. Oh, yeah. oh so <laughs> much to talk about. But let's start as how you got here. Like, how did Tell us about yourself, how you got to reporting on the stars. Yeah, so I, st- I got hired at The Athletic, my first full-time job back in May of 2018. And um, they already had a stars reporter at that time, Sean Shapiro, who's now with The Athletic on a national stage. Um, and so they, I was the general assignment reporter, basically the number two guy on all the professional beats, the Cowboys, the Mavericks, Rangers, and the Stars. Um, and as the as the athletic in Dallas just kind of grew, the Mavericks, Stars, or sorry, Mavericks, Cowboys, and Rangers all had two writers, and the Stars really just had Sean. So I started having more of an emphasis on on hockey and and this and covering the Stars. And then last year, um, you know, when the Stars made it to the Stanley Cup Finals and all that stuff, like it was, you know, there was a lot of content to go around. And so um, I was contributing there, and then Sean got the promotion. Uh, to become the national business writer uh, for The Athletic. And so that just kind of opened a slot for me and kind of slid right in. And that's where I've been since. Natural transition, really. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. So are you a Stars fan? Are you a Dallas fan? Or is it just where you live and work? Or 
Yeah, not a Stars fan. Not really. Like it, it's it's kind of weird. Like I grew up in Dallas um, ever since I was like two years old, uh, but I was never really a fan of any of the teams here. I was I was really just a Patriots fan growing up in uh, football. <laughs> And, uh, and so that was the only team that I rooted for. Other than that, I just rooted for a bunch of players. So even though I wasn't a Mavericks fan, I was a huge Dirk fan. Um, so it was nice to see him win a championship. And it was the same thing, like, all the way throughout. But, you know, when I was growing up, the Cowboys were just awful. So And football was my main sport. So I just kind of gravitated to the Patriots. And that's the only team that I actually rooted for. That's fair. I can totally relate to that. I love to just like follow players when they leave my teams. So I can 100% relate there. So talk to us about what was it like reporting through this COVID experience? Like obviously an adjustment, especially only being your second year then. Yeah, it was, it was ridiculous. I mean, it was just everything, everything, the way that we go about things, it was just, uh, just turned on its head. It was, you know, a lot of times we look at little things that players are doing, the teams are doing, and the the most uh, that we get out of players is when we're in the locker rooms during practice, and we can talk to a few different players about different concepts, about different things. Um, it's just really hard to do um, when you're not like I went through the whole season, obviously without you know seeing a single player in person. It's just really hard to do those kind of quirky things um, over the phone or on Zoom. And then, especially with the Stars schedule, the Stars, you know, obviously got hit with COVID the third day of training camp. Um, 17 players got COVID. And then a, a month later, um, there was the winter storm. And so the schedule was so condensed, um, we just didn't have much breathing room between games. So it just turned out to just kind of be like writing about what happened in the game and then moving on to the next game. There wasn't a lot of, you know, interesting stories that, um, I was able to execute. I had a lot of a story ideas, but just wasn't able to do them. Totally. Yeah. And I mean, I was going to bring that up as well. Obviously that really had an impact between COVID, the winter storm, uh, their very condensed season on how the stars did. How do you, how much do you think, obviously the stars did not have the season they had prior when they went to the cup final. How much of those external distractions do you think played a role in what they were able to do. I mean, they played 44 games in 78 days. That's an insane statistic. Yeah, no, the, the schedule definitely had a role in all this. And and not not just the regular season schedule. Going back to the Stanley Cup final in the offseason, I mean, that offseason was three months. I mean, it was it was it was ridiculous. Yeah. And when you look at the stars going back to the Stanley Cup final, Tyler Sagan played the entire cup cup run, not just the cup final, but from the, from the day that he got to the bubble, he played with a torn hip labrum. Uh, ben Bishop had knee issues. Uh, Rope Hintz, Roddick Foxa, Anton Hudobin, all these guys were all hurt um, when the season ended, and they didn't have adequate time or resources because, again, uh, it was still everything was still shut down in October, November, December. So they were kind of all rehabbing on their own um, from a distance, all those kind of things. Like we even heard after the season ended – this year that Roddick Foxa never recovered from his injury from last year. Uh, Rope Hintz, same thing. Like his lingering injury started from last, last year in the playoffs. So the schedule actually goes, the schedule struggles go back to last year, but, um, but you're, you're absolutely right. Like 44 games in 78 days is just ridiculous. They have no time to recover. Um, it got into this weird routine. They were playing every Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday. And it was just four games every six nights. And it was 
you know, it, it got to a point where the players were just physically, but also mentally just exhausted. Yeah, you bring a good point on the injuries. I feel like that's why we're seeing so many players this offseason getting like various surgeries because they'd been putting it off because there wasn't the time between last season and prior that they all have to deal with it now. And now it's like, okay, maybe people will be a little more healthy next season, but is there still the time? Yeah, I think I, I think there is more time now. But like, if you look at Rope Hints, for example, who was injured all season for the Stars, he got June, July, May, June, July, August, September, October. He has like two extra months or three extra months. He's literally doubling his recovery time from last year, so he'll be ready to go in training camp. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's you, you see it throughout the league. Um, it's not obviously it's not just a Stars issue. It's just kind of magnified for them a little bit because. It's literally their top forward, their top goaltender, and like one, one of their other top three forwards. Um, it's just it's just nonstop among the big names. But you know, the same issue has been kind of going on throughout the league. Yeah, and one other thing that did obviously make a big impact on this season in particular, it was shortened, but also the divisions were different. And so there were five of the eight teams in the central division. Obviously, Dallas had moved from the central division, but five of the eight teams were new in that division. Mm-hmm. And we had always joked throughout the season that the Central Division was soft and that we, we didn't think it was as competitive. But then we got to the end of the playoffs, or excuse me, the end of the season, and the Stars were the last to be eliminated. It was a like a gut punch to get to that fourth seed. So, I mean, what do you think about the divisional realignment? Um, how did Dallas do with that? Do you think it was good for them, bad for them, versus what we're going back to in a couple months? I think in general it was probably – I mean, I think they did all right. Like, it was just – it was such a wacky season for that for that uh, fourth fifth seed um, between Nashville and Dallas. Like, if you think about it, going back to like earlier in the season, it looked like Chicago was going to be a major player for that number four seed as well. Then they completely fell off, and Nashville looked like they were going to be hard sellers at the trade deadline. It looked like they were going to clean house, and then all of a sudden, Saros just goes on a crazy run in net and and was like a Vesna caliber goaltender and gets them almost single-handedly back into the playoff race. So it was, I mean, I think the top three for for uh, for the Central Division between Tampa Bay, Florida, and Carolina, like that was from top to bottom, like from start of the season to the end. Um, that's kind of where it stayed. And, you know, Tampa Bay, obviously the reigning champs, um, but it was, it was, there was some level of intrigue with, you know, um, how are they going to play without Kucherov, at least in the regular season? Um, and then Carolina, you know, they, they ended up playing a lot better, I think, than some people expected. I think a lot more people expected them to be in the battle for fourth instead of competing at the top. Yeah. And then Florida, obviously, was a surprise because, you know, no one really expected that either. So I think the top three, the top three were kind of in their own little class. And then it was it was kind of like recycling out the, uh, the other teams for that number four spot. And Dallas just came up short. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, we saw that. Tampa was coming out of it. Like there was not not much that fourth seed was going to be able to do to begin with. But you know, obviously hard for Stars fans to see it just a few days before the playoffs kicking off. Circling back a little bit, since we did talk about Ben Bishop and his injury, we obviously just had the expansion draft. Uh, the Stars left Ben Bishop unprotected, but you guys did lose Jamie Oleksiak. How do you guys feel about that loss? Uh, and then a little bit about Ben Bishop also. That's a very interesting situation. Yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah. So first, Jamie, um, you know, the stars knew that it was a possibility that, you know, not only just to the Kraken, but he was going to be an unrestricted free agent. He's 28 or 29 years old at the peak of his career. 
it, it's every he's within his right to get the biggest contract possible because with his style of play at six seven whatever he is he's a big dude um, I think the the broadcast yesterday said he's the heaviest guy in the NHL um, so he he's a big guy and you know it, it, he's going to get as much money as he could he got four point six million AAV the stars were never going to go that high for their number four defenseman. They already have they already have five point two million tied up in Essa Lindell, um, eight million now, eight point four five million now with Miro Haskin in. And John Klingberg's one of the best defense offensive defensemen in the NHL, and he's yeah. going to be a free agent next year. So they weren't going to go that high on Jamie Alexiak. Um, they knew it was a possibility to lose him, but it does become a little interesting to me on how they handle that number four defenseman spot now because that's a void. And there's a the stars run this risk of, you know, using that number four, using Miro Haskinen as a crutch because he's so good, um, he can make anybody look decent. I mean, he literally played a year and a half with Roman Polak as his <laughs> as his uh, defensive partner, so he can he can make anybody you know look like an NHL defenseman. But if you're gonna pay a guy like Miro eight eight plus million dollars. You want to bring the best out of him, not just have him drag that uh, second pairing. So I think the way that the the Stars approach this in free agency is going to be really interesting. They, they do have an opportunity to cater to different needs that Miro has. Like Jamie Alexiak was also a left shot. Miro's a left shot. Um, the Stars can try to go out and get a right shot to complement Miro a little bit better. Um, they can go out and get someone who's a little bit more defensive sound and doesn't have as much offensive prowess because that allows Miro to be a little more unleashed offensively. Um, so I think that's going to be a big thing for the Stars is just how do you go about addressing it and what kind of priorities do you have? I think losing Jamie Alexiak for three and a half, four million dollars would have felt like a gut punch. At four point six million, you just kind of you know wave and wish him good luck, and that's pretty much it. So um, yeah. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I, I as a Bruins fan, always see now that Zidane Chara is gone, they lean heavily on Charlie McAvoy to do the same thing that with Heiskanen, you know, drag anybody from the Providence Bruins up and let, allow them to survive. The <laughs> Providence Bruins are a great team. <laughs> they have a lot worse prospects. <laughs> but, you know, that doesn't that's not how you get the best out of your player, and the Bruins are going to face the same situation with re-signing Charlie McAvoy when they mm -hmm. see how much these great defensemen are making, and they have cap space now, but they are not going to have cap space once they have to resign him. So <laughs> was huge this season. There were so many teams that had great goaltending, great forwards, but the defense was so lacking. So I feel like the the value of defenders after this past season is definitely going up. Yeah, I think so. It's going to be interesting how they balance how they the teams balance that though with the flat cap because yeah. um, you know like as as valuable defensemen are and everything. Like Miro, I think, like, you know, he was the first of that group of him, Omicar, and Quinn Hughes to get those contract to get that big contract of the young guys. Um, Miro's more of just a no nonsense, just play hockey type guy. Like, I'm not surprised that his that his uh contract negotiations came as, you know, easily as they did. Um I'm I'm interested though, like you guys said, just around the league, like Kale McCarr. Um, how how much is he going to break bank, and and you know what does Colorado do, um, and that because they also have Landeskog obviously to take care of. But um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. The defenseman, it, defenseman is also an evolving position. I think you know you have to you have to make sure that you have some offensive abilities, but they also still have to. They just can't be another forward. So 
Um, you know, and there's not, I think defensive defenseman is a little bit of a lost art a little bit now. So. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And circling back uh, just a little bit more on the Kraken before we move on. Ben Bishop. <laughs> oh yes. Yes. Yeah. That, that situation. Um, I think, you know, for the stars, they knew that with the, with the concern that there is around Ben Bishop, the Kraken weren't going to take him. Um, that's why they asked him to waive his no move clause and he obliged because, um, obviously there were a lot of good options. Honestly, I'm kind of surprised at, at the moves that they did make at goaltender. I thought, you know, they had, uh, they had the kid in Minnesota. They had other guys. (laughs) Yeah. So I was kind of surprised at how they did that. Obviously not taking Carey Price and, you know, things of that sort, but, um, they, you know, if they if they weren't going to take an old goaltender who just led his team to the Stanley Cup final, like there was no way there was they were going to take a guy who hasn't played hockey in, in 13 months and might never play hockey again, honestly. Like it's a very real possibility for Ben Bishop at this point. So um, it was never really a discussion for uh, for the Kraken um, from, from league sources that, that I've heard. Like they were never really considering Bishop. Um, in terms of how he's going to look going forward – we might get more clarity in the upcoming weeks now because if he was progressing well, the stars weren't going to make that known, obviously, because that would entice Seattle to take Ben Bishop. So um, I think we'll find out more. But I think really um, the fact that they still have Jake Ottinger and Anton Hudobin is a great fallback for them. Um, they're, they're secure in Crease for a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Totally. There's so much going on in this offseason with obviously we have our – annual entry draft we have the expansion draft we have a shortened off season that's kind of a lot of pressure on teams to really and the cap not moving that's a lot of pressure to like make your team the best they can for next season in a very different environment as the previous years so what do you think the stars really need going into next season they really need a middle six forward and I don't know if we'll be able to necessarily address that need at the uh, at the level that it needs to, but they they have to stop bargain shopping, which is kind of what what they've done this in the previous two off seasons. Where two off seasons ago they went all in, they got Joe Pavelski for three years, seven million per year. Um, they got Corey Perry that year. Um, they went in all in, and and it paid off in a Stanley Cup final run. Then last year they're coming off the Stanley Cup final run, and they're all they do is really sign Mark Pissick. And that's a low budget, nothing move. Now, again, they can't do too much when you're strapped against the cap like that, but they're not necessarily strapped this year. Um, they have 5.8 million available right now, and that's with three goaltenders on the roster. Obviously, they're not going to carry three goaltenders, even if Bishop is healthy with Anton Hudobin. That frees up about a million um, if Jake Ottinger goes down to the AHL. So they have money to spend, and they already know they're not going to be, you know, pulling up. $4 million to Jamie Alexiak, they need to address that middle six forward because um, they're lying to themselves if they think that, you know, everyone just needs to get healthy and they're fine. Um, this team was this team was full health away from being a playoff team last year. They were not full, full health away from being a Stanley Cup champion last year. So um, that's their goal this year. Um, it's the last year. Of a of this current championship window for this team because uh, Joe Pavelski, Alexander Radulov, John Klingberg, Rick Bonus, the head coach, all their contracts come off the book next summer. So they have to go all in this year, and they need to address the forward position. 
Do you have anyone in mind that you think would be a good fit looking at either the trade options or the free agency options that are going to open up next week? Yeah, well, the popular the popular name floating around here has always been Blake Coleman. Obviously, he's been really effective in Tampa Bay. He grew up like literally five miles away from the Stars practice facility. So um, that's been a hot name. Um, you know, given what uh, given what Goodrow just signed for, I don't know that that Blake Coleman is going to come that cheap. Um, so I'm kind of I'm I'm kind of you know interested to see, but. You know, right now, and we're seeing what, you know, obviously with, with Hyman um, going on in Edmonton and all this stuff going on there, I don't know exactly which guys would fit in best for them, um, but they need someone who is able to slide in, be a strong offensive force because this team just has been unable to score goals in recent years. And uh, they need someone in that third line that's not just a pure checker. And they've had this checking line of Roddick Fox, Andrew Cogliano, and Blake Como. Um, but they, but th- that group hasn't produced anything offensively, and they need offense. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And do you guys have any significant UFAs that you're going to need to resign? Not anymore. I mean, it was Jamie Alexiak. Uh, yeah, Jamie Alexiak was the only one. Other than that, they re-signed Blake Como, who's a again fourth line depth piece. Andrew Cogliano's probably not coming back. Then there's just some other guys who are really just fringe AHL, NHL guys like Justin Dowling, Taylor Fadoon, and uh, those sorts. But no, not really this year. That's going to be next summer for them when Alexander Radulov, Pavelski, and Klingberg are all uh, all due for new contracts. Got it. Yeah, definitely heading in out of a year of change and adjustment to another next year, year of change and adjustment for the team. So we'll be curious to see what actually happens in this upcoming season. So. Yeah. Awesome. Well, it was great getting to talk with you. I'm sure this will not be the last time. Got to see what the stars are up to all the time. But let everyone know where they can find you on social. Yeah, I'm at I'm on Twitter at Saad Yusuf. That's S A A D Y O U S U F one two six on Twitter. Um, and then you can read my work at the Athletic, obviously. So amazing. Thank you so much for joining us today. This was a great time. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, no problem at all. And if you guys have not yet, make sure that you follow us on social media. Make sure you check us out on YouTube and subscribe now. Thank you, guys. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.